0: Well, this morning, I want to look at Scripture that most of us are familiar with, but that which I have found I regularly need to be reminded about as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, So we're going to look at love today. Love. First thing we need to note is that Love is not a suggestion in God's Word. Jesus commanded us to love, and the command is repeated multiple times. You know, love is often limited to an emotion or a feeling, but Jesus did not command us to feel love. And I've had not much success in somebody commanding me to feel something. Have you? I just I, if I don't feel it, I don't feel it, man. But Jesus didn't command us to feel it. Next, we want to look at context of our passage today and note to whom Jesus gave that commandment. He commanded those who are His disciples, who are in Christ, indwelled by His Holy Spirit, believers who recognize Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, Those who can say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh in faith, by faith of God and Jesus who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, next, we want to keep in context with the way love is spoken in Scripture. First of all, who are we specifically commanded to love? It is specifically directed for us to love one another. Those who believe and belong to Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't exclude us from loving those who are not in Christ, obviously. But the very prime directive, the the main point of the command is directed to the body of Christ. Loving is a body principle, according to a perfect design, standard set for us in Christ, for us to live and love one another in Christ as a demonstration to the world of who we belong to. So in other words, whenever we're going to talk about love, it's going to be love that has to do with us, one another. So regarding application of the directive... we first then must do it as an act of obedience, but also because the example has been set for us by Jesus, who first loved us. You know, it's not about feeling love. It's about doing love. But obeying the command flows from being so loved by Jesus. John fourteen fourteen, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. <clears throat> Next, uh, to ground this in the Scriptures and to lay a foundation for our application as we get into this, please allow me to read some of the directives we are given to love and listen for the repeated words. There's a number of these, so just sit tight. When we see something that is often repeated in God's Word, God's God-breathed Word, It's not because God is getting forgetful in his old age. It's not because he's he's just prone to, has a habit of repeating himself. It is because he is faithful to repeat himself regarding things that are of the absolute most importance because he knows we need to be reminded of them, okay? So listen, John 13, 34 and 35 a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 15:12. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. John 15, 17, These things I command you, that you love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. 1 Peter 1:22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, <clears throat> love one another Fervently. By the way, that word means to be stretched out, earnest, resolute, tense. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. 1 John 3.11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Are you getting tired of hearing that? 1 John 3.23, this is his command, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. First John four seven, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. First John four eleven. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Second John five. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Is there any doubt at all that this is important, that this is prime to us who are in Christ? It's hard to say that it is not, because there's so much said about it. So, basic principle, loving obedience, it's a function of the body of Christ, it's according to divine design and operation. So, now I'm going to ask for your grace and your patience, because so often times when I'm teaching the Word of God, I find illustrations and examples from my own life. Those of you who were here at the marriage thing, you probably say, oh yeah, he does that. <laughs> yeah. So. I just have to set this and explain this uh, to you because there are times that the way that God has wired me to process things in my mind is problematic. <clears throat> I tend to think in a line. If you try to tell me something and, and start in the middle of the thing, it's, it's like I can't hear a word you're saying because I don't know what the beginning was. And it's difficult Sometimes. And sometimes there might be something that someone might say that just causes me to get stuck on something that they said, and I can't even follow the rest of the things that they say. For example, like blonde grandma. (laughs) (laughs) She almost got me on that one, I'll tell you. (laughs) Those of you who weren't here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Talk to somebody that was at the conference. But once I understand the start or get clarification of something, then I can proceed and I can follow along with what is being said. I can listen, I can learn, I can apply. So when I look at the scriptures, I must have the basics in place. I must have the foundation. I didn't always understand how my brain works, I will tell you that, and and uh, I'm still learning about it. However, life experience is patient and faithful to demonstrate it to me. So a little bit of background, a little bit of background. I spent two years at a junior college getting an AA degree from, on, in air conditioning and refrigeration, which qualifies me to be a pastor. Yeah, (laughs) very good. But I had heard it was a trade that was uh, very profitable, you can make a decent living at that, and it was a... It was a trade that was constantly in demand. I mean, refrigeration is used everywhere. And it was during that training that I was instructed in basic theory regarding that trade. And and I didn't realize the importance of the basics until later on in my life when I had the opportunity to actually get into the trade and begin to work. But in that college that I went to, uh, we had a very quirky instruction. I mean, he was a weirdo. And he was an absolute Nazi about hammering us with basic theory. It often seemed more like a physics class than than learning how to fix a refrigerator or air conditioning equipment. He drilled us. Drilled us on the relationship between pressure and temperature, Boy's law, Boyle's law, Charles' law, Gay-Lussac's law, entropy, enthalpy, specific heat, latent heat, specific volume, CFMs, BTUs. He drilled us with electrical theory, voltage, wattage, impedance, resistance, induction, capacitors, potentiometers, Wheatstone bridges. He made sure we knew the difference between humidity and relative humidity. He drilled us on psychometric charts and Moliere dar- diagrams. He drove us nuts. <laughs> and there were many times I just felt like in two years of this. I got to go through two years. I just want to learn to fix the refrigerator. Or can we just skip all this? But when I got out actually working in the field, Mm -hmm. I realized the value of those basics when it came to troubleshooting and correcting problems. So eventually, myself and a friend who's probably my best friend still is, uh, we went together as partners in business, started our own air conditioning refrigeration business. As the business grew, we we had to hire uh, I had to hire some employees. And it was at that time that I realized how much I appreciated the basics and the theory. Because it was difficult to find a technician who had the basics. And what we had was a bunch of parts changers. It really couldn't troubleshoot much at all. And consequently, we had lots of callbacks. And that was that was a problem so we sold the business in southern california and we moved up to northern california to the Placerville area and we began to establish that business once again build up a customer base it was slow going at first uh there weren't a lot of uh refrigeration businesses in the county there were a lot of people doing refrigeration work but it It wasn't like it was down in Los Angeles. I got a call from a little mom-and-pop liquor store slash market in a small town in El Dorado County. Their walk-in refrigerator display case was, was down. Upon arrival, the owner meets me and says that he's already diagnosed the problem. He says, it just needs some freon. And I said, well, I, I'm here. I would like to look at the system, and it won't cost you anything more for me to troubleshoot the system. Well, you don't need to troubleshoot it. I just told you it just needs free I said, oh, OK, but uh, I, I would like to at least look at it. It's not going to cost you any more. He said, OK. So I checked it out. The equipment was in pretty bad shape. It it was old, wasn't well-maintained. You could tell that someone who had been working on it really didn't know what they were doing. And the owner was correct when he stated it needed Freon. But that was not the problem. That was the symptom. The problem was it had a leak. So I searched and I found the leak. It was on the evaporator coil, and it could not be repaired. Evaporator coils, when they get old, the copper gets pitted, it starts to leak like a sieve. So the only thing that could fix this would be for the evaporator to be replaced. So I went and informed the owner. And I said, uh, you do have a leak in your system, but your evaporator is shot and needs replaced. And he said, eh, you know, old Joe, old Joe just comes out and puts Freon in it. I said, well, why did you call me? He said, because old Joe is fishing. I said, okay. So just put some Freon in that's all I want. I said, but sir, you have a leak. Can I please explain to you what I'm saying about your equipment in a little bit more detail. Refrigeration systems are not like your car that consumes fuel that needs replenished. It is a hermetically sealed system. Also, it has a high pressure and a low pressure side. Your leak is on the low side of the system. Yeah, 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 put some Freon in it. Sell me some Freon or give me some and I'll put it in myself. I said, sir, you have a leak. You also have what is called a pump down system. The thermostat controls an electric solenoid valve that closes off the high pressure side when the box reaches temperature. System then begins to pump down and shuts off by means of a pressure control. Someone has set the pressure control to shut off after it pumps down into a slight vacuum. Apparently in an attempt to have the compressor run longer because you're low on Freon. And as a result of that, the compressor sucks air into the system. Air sucked into the system has moisture in it. Air sends the head pressure through the roof. And air with moisture in it, moisture is the kiss of death to a refrigeration system. You need to fix the leak. (sighs) Okay. But can you just put some Freon in it for now? Sir, no, you you have to take care of the leak or it's going to cause far more damage. The compressor runs continuously because it can't reach temperature, it never shuts off, it overheats, keeps sucking in moisture, and it's only a matter of time before it's ruined and you will have an even more expensive repair. All this because you have a leak. Well, either put some Freon in it or I'll call Joe. I said, he's fishing. And I said, sir, I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't do that. And in fact, I'm not, not going to charge you anything for coming out, but I don't want to do something that doesn't take care of the problem, will end up causing more damage. Perhaps you should get in touch with Joe when he gets back from fishing. You see, the problem was very basic, fundamental, rooted in core refrigeration theory and standards of operation. Adding Freon would not correct this problem. What does that have to do with love? It has much to do with troubleshooting problems, love problems. 2 Corinthians 13.5 directs us to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. My mind, when I read that scripture, it says, troubleshoot me. Troubleshoot myself. If I don't understand and operate according to basic love principles and the standard of operation, I'm going to have a very difficult time troubleshooting and correcting things that I encounter regarding our dealings with one another in Christ. I will become a parts changer or Freon adder instead of a well-trained technician and troubleshooter. I will treat the symptoms and not deal with the actual problem. So anytime things are not set right, according to design principles and standards of operation, there's going to be problems in the system. Likewise, anytime there is a love leak, a leak needs to be fixed. And like a refrigeration system, failure to address a love leak, the corruption and damage compounds. And our relationships with one another Will degrade. Our witness to the world is contaminated. Our very identification as followers of Jesus becomes circumspect in the eyes of others. And things just start to break down. So if God is love, if Jesus is God, if we are members of his body of which he is the head, then loving one another in Christ is quite simply that which is basic. Normal operation for us based on God's love for us and our very reasonable loving obedience response to him. So it follows then to not love one another or to behave unlovingly towards one another is disobedient, abnormal for the body of Christ, contrary to design standards and operations, basically malfunctions so refreshed with the basics we can now look at the service manual to help us rightly diagnose when we love and when we are leaking but we must first find the leak so the scope of application for loving one another is huge it's broad many applications to this love fits so many things in our life in our daily operation But the Holy Spirit, in His wisdom, in His grace, and in His faithfulness, has laid it out for us beautifully, broke it down for us in His Word. We're given instructions as to how to find a leak. If we will refresh ourselves with the Scriptures, then we are equipped to troubleshoot and correct things. And by keeping things running according to design, then we display this exceptional love of God to a world that's walking in darkness. Now, I suspect the love section of the service manual we're going to look at, very familiar to many of us. It's been printed on a lot of T-shirts. It has been written in many, many tracts that are handed out. It's been referenced at, I, I can't even count how many times I've heard it referenced at weddings. And it's been repeatedly preached from many pulpits, yet it is often ignored or misapplied and results in relational breakdowns between members of the body of Christ. So now, I would like to ask you to please stand. If you have a Bible with you, open it up to 1 Corinthians, the last verse of the 12th chapter and follow along as I read through the 8th verse of the 13th chapter. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, last verse, verse 31 there. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Basically, I have leaks. Find it and fix it. Verse 4 love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself is not puffed up does not behave rudely does not seek its own is not provoked thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never fails father as we go to your word this morning i do ask god for the spirit of god just to minister to each and every one of us lord Help us to troubleshoot ourselves according to your word, Lord. Search us so that, Lord, we might we might be running smoothly, correctly, according to your design. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> when troubleshooting a refrigeration system when it's low on Freon, there are places that you go to that commonly will leak. And so what we have here is a list of those places that we can go to and check to see if we have a leak. First, we have to point out that love is not a pretty good way, not an okay way. It is the most excellent way. Listen, you mess with the most excellent way and things just don't go well. So most excellent, I understand, is a very high standard, but we should expect no less from a most excellent God and whose love is most excellent towards (laughs) us. So none of us love perfectly. Got to state that up front. We all need grace to press on to our high calling in Christ. But we should never depreciate or lower the excellence of the standard or basic operations God has given us in his word regarding love. So, chapter 13 begins when Paul states, if we have not love, we are like a clanging gong or cymbal. Basically, doing good things, doing all the good things, you know, whatever it might be, they're of no value. They're worthless without love. It's just putting Freon into the system. It's just going to leak out again cause damage. So being reminded that I have a leak also is not pleasant. It isn't pleasant. However, I know the Spirit doesn't point out the leak to condemn me. But so that, so that I would see that leak, I would be corrected by the Word of God and get back to basic, normal operation in Christ. And in short, because I know God is for me and not against me, basically these corrections that He gives me or so it will go well for me and it will bring him glory. So as we move through this, if the Holy Spirit points out a love leak that we may have, please don't feel condemned. It's just normal Holy Spirit troubleshooting according to the most excellent way. You ready to check for leaks? Verse 4, it says, Love suffers long. Am I a long sufferer or a short sufferer? Have I written a brother or sister off? Have I decided that God and I are done with him or her? Is he or she not growing in Christ as fast as... I think they should have I decided that the Holy Spirit is not working in them like he is so faithfully and has so faithfully worked in me or do I guard my love for them and make myself available to the Holy Spirit to be used to build up the brother or sister as the Holy Spirit leads me to do in love am I an available tool in the Holy Spirit's toolbox Or because I am not suffering long, have I jumped out of the toolbox and decided the brother or sister is beyond repair? Holy Spirit will use us to minister to one another. That's one of the reasons he gives us gifts. It's one of the reasons he dwells inside of us, so that we can minister to one another for the edification of the body of Christ. So, in love, am I available to the Spirit or not? Or am I just writing the whole deal off? So, if so, I've not suffered long, and I have a leak. Love that brother or sister, suffer long in prayer for them, suffer long in being available to speak the truth in love to them as needed and as the Spirit leads. Next is love is kind. Being kind is an action that displays love or care for someone. Those of you who were at the marriage weekend that we had, you saw that the last verse of the fourth chapter of Ephesians directs us to be kind, and we talked about that. It's easy to kindly love someone who is lovable. That's like conditional love, though. It's not what the kind of love we got here. But it is Jesus like love to act kindly to someone who is not so lovable. And one look in the mirror, one look at our unlovable self, and we should quickly be able to troubleshoot that we have a kind leak. A kind leak. While we were yet sinners, a.k.a. not very lovable, Jesus took our sins upon himself and died to save us. That was kind love in action. It's a high standard, but it's basic design operation. So if I'm not being kind to someone who is not so lovable, and I have a love leak, it's clear as can be, I look in the mirror, look at the cross, fix my eyes on Jesus, and then I fix the leak. Don't condemn yourself. Make the most of the opportunity. Carpe diem, seize the day, and be obedient to act kindly towards that not-so-lovable brother or sister in Christ. Now, my flesh doesn't like to do this. Because if I don't like you, I don't like you. You can't make me feel like I like you. And if I feel like I like you, then I'm being phony. But I can act in obedience to this, and I can love you and express to you kind things to act kindly towards you. Maybe as I do that, the Spirit of God will birth that feeling in me, but it's not conditional upon me feeling it whatsoever. And when we do that, when we apply that exceptional love of Jesus, that kindness love of Jesus to another brother or sister in Christ that reflects the excellence of the light of Christ's love to a lost and dying world, that so needs, so needs that love, it so needs to see it. Next, it says, Love does not envy. So am I envious of anyone? Do I want to tear them down so that I might be lifted up? Do I envy someone for what they have? Do I envy someone for their gifts or their their ministry? Do I envy someone for the way that they are loved and respected or treated? Is my heart and attitude towards them becoming tainted by my envy? Am I so looking forward to their failure that I have a leak? Envy is a strange thing because that's what it does. You can look at something that somebody has or the way someone is, and you can become envious of that. You actually start looking forward to when something happens in their life. When, oh, when they have a problem or, or they stumble or they blow it. If you find yourself doing that, you got a leak. Patch the leak, how? you well, patch the leak by rejoicing with them and the blessings that they have from God. By rejoicing with those who rejoice, we display the joy of the Lord that he has over us. In Zephaniah 3.17, says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with Singing. This is where the command comes in. (laughs) Okay? Just do it. If you're finding yourself envious of someone, just rejoice over them. You say, well, that sounds phony. No, it's obedience, okay? And if you're really struggling with it, sing over them. Yeah, they'll think you're nuts. (laughs) Envy is a love leak. Fix the leak. Rejoice with it over those who are blessed. Next is does not parade itself. Now, that's passive or middle voice indicating an action done that comes back on oneself. So, do I promote myself to build myself up in the eyes of others? Am I seeking to be exalted and praised? Do I continually try to climb onto a pedestal so that all can see me and give me more praise? Scripture tells us that if we boast, we should boast in the Lord. When we boast in ourselves, we have a serious leak because love doesn't parade itself. This one should be fairly easy for us to troubleshoot. This leak, you see, brings in the corruption of thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It's fixed once again by just one look in the mirror, one look in the mirror of the Word of God. Because Paul writes in Romans 7:18, for I know that something is good in me, No, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. See, when I read that, the word nothing is key to understanding it. I can't go beyond the nothing until I get the nothing. There's nothing good in this flesh. Nothing. Sinful, corrupt flesh just loves to boast and promote itself. But Jesus lowered himself, humbled himself. Why? To lift others up. So if I find I'm parading myself, then I have a leak. Parade Jesus and look to how I can lift others up. That's how you repair that leak. Next aspect is kind of similar to that. It says, love is not puffed up. Also passive voice in the sense that the action that one does is directed back to oneself. Now, the previous one has to do with seeking praise for yourself. This one has more to do with actually seeing yourself as deserving it. This leak is often directed... Totally back to ourselves. The more we turn in toward ourselves, the less we're turning to be more like Christ. And the leak is often detected when I see others as being lowly, common, and I see myself as being elite, special, so much more above others. That's a, that's, that's a leak, folks. That's, that is a crazy leak. If I show little regard for someone because I feel they are beneath me or a lesser person, that's a love leak. There is a danger, very serious danger in this love leak. Because if I am puffing myself up, it's just a matter of time before I puff too much and I blow up. Fix the leak. How do you fix the leak? You stop comparing yourself to others. Bible says those who do that are fools. Compare myself to Jesus. That's it. You know, if if we puff ourselves up and then we fix our eyes on Jesus, and when we compare ourselves to Jesus, well, I'll tell you what, it has a way of defending deflating that balloon very, very quickly. Love does not behave rudely. That word rudely there is only used one other time in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6, where it speaks about behaving improperly toward one's betrothed. So in context... It's speaking about not stumbling them, not treating them in a way that they ought not be treated because they are a betrothed bride. So therefore, we can understand this is behavior that is so contrary to who we are because one another, we are the betrothed bride of Christ. So most of us don't even like to think of being rude or behaving improperly to Jesus, right? I mean, not, I mean, if he was, boom, right there, you wouldn't behave rudely to him or improperly. But when I behave improperly towards a brother or sister in Christ, and especially, according to the context in 1 Corinthians, if I am causing them to stumble, if I'm leading them to sin, if I'm promoting them to act contrary to the bride that they are, Even if I feel love for them, I am behaving rudely to them as the betrothed of Christ. And I have a very serious love leak. So please note that improper behavior towards a brother or sister in Christ isn't just wrong It is rude. It is rude. Grossly out of place to Jesus because of who that person is to him, his bride. So now I have to speak to Christian men, especially young Christian men, especially young Christian men who are not yet married. If you are trying to get a Christian sister to act contrary to her betrothal, you are rude and you have a very serious love leak. And Christian sisters, if you are enticing a brother to behave contrary to who he is in Christ, you are rude and have a serious leak. Fix the leak. Honor the Lord you are both betrothed, to Treat one another with respect according to who we are in Christ. And doing that, we display our love for the Lord, we reflect his love for us, and we treat one another as betrothed. Fix the leak, treat the bride of Christ respectfully. Next, love does not seek its own. A different version reads, it is not self-seeking. Another way of saying it is love is not all about me. If everything is really about me, if it's always about what is best for me, if it's always about what pleases me, if it's always about what I want, I have a love leak. Because love is meant to flow from one to another. God's love flows to us. We love God because he first loved us. If love is always just about me, always about what I want, then this leak will stop love from flowing to others. It doesn't reflect God's love because it goes nowhere beyond self, seeks only what pleases self, and if I'm always seeking to please myself, I have a leak. Fix it. Start deferring to others on matters, <laughs> on things that are not hills that we need to die on. I'm not talking about compromise on things that ought not be compromised. I'm talking about looking for opportunities, looking for opportunities to bless and please others more than pleasing ourselves. Next, love is not provoked. Another version says not easily angered. The word literally means exactly that, not easily provoked or angered. It's interesting that when one aspect of love is violated, it often leads to more contamination in the system. If love is all about me, if I have to always have things my way, then I will likely get easily irritable when someone is not something is not done the way that I want it to be done. In fact, there are going to be lots of opportunities to get angry. If I have to always have things my way. If we are easily angered, if we are quick. To anger, if we are easily offended, if getting angry is the norm rather than the exception, if we are provoked to anger over every little thing, we have a leak. And that doesn't require anger management therapy sessions, that requires love repair. Rightly diagnose it and fix it. To diagnose it, look to the Lord once again. He is not easily angered. He tells us that straight out. Said that to Moses in Exodus 34. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And let me ask you this. Aren't you glad that God is not slow? I mean, that God is slow to anger? Oh. if God blew up every time I did what I should not do, or every time I had a rude thought that's not pleasing to him, I would have been a fried crispy critter a long time ago. Am I easily provoked? Fix the leak? Stop insisting on things being done my way all the time? And if someone wants to do something in a different way than me, give them grace. And just let them. We aren't talking again about compromising on truth or doctrine or sin, but rather just not getting all bent out of shape when something is not done the way we do it. Love them enough to bless them and please them. And if we don't correct this leak, the contamination spreads. Next is love thinks no evil. Another version says, keeps no record of wrongs. (laughs) That is actually closer to the literal. It's made up of two Greek words. First one means to tally or record, and the other word means things that are bad in nature, evil. So when we're offended, do we log the offense? Do we keep a record of it? When a brother or sister sins and repents, are we counting their failures, waiting for them to get to 490 times? Is that record as if it is written in stone or instead of being covered by blood? Do I have a list of wrongs done to me? Proverbs 10:12 says love covers a multitude of sins. Am I keeping a record of wrongs? Then I have a love leak. Is that how Jesus loves us? Mm. Does it match the basics? Does it fit the operational function, the model for us in Christ? Does he keep a record so as to hold our sins against us? Or because of what he has done for us, does he remember our sins no more? Does he cast them? into the depth of the sea? Are they as far as the east is from the west? Are they covered, washed by his blood? See, this leak is quite common and needs continual maintenance. In Luke chapter 17, verse three, when Jesus is speaking with the disciples, specifically about not keeping a record of wrongs and forgiveness, and he says, if your brother comes to you seven times and repents, you must forgive him. And if forgiveness is forgiveness like Christ forgives us, then it's in the depths of the sea. It's washed away. There's no record to be kept of that. But in the third verse of that, before Jesus speaks about that, he says something you don't want to miss when you read that passage. King James, take heed to thyself. Pay attention to yourself. And then he speaks about that forgiveness and not keeping the record. So, this is very helpful in troubleshooting this particular leak. You might want to write this down. This is profound. This is deep. This is revelation. Are you ready? We who are in Christ are going to offend one another now and then. I'm sure that never happens here. Now, we ought not offend. I think we get that. But we're sinners. We're works in progress, and we will offend, and we will need love, grace, and forgiveness. And, of course, the question comes up, well, what about repentance? Well, first of all, repentance is a love response to being so loved and a personal responsibility of all who are in Christ. If I offend, repentance is a love response to being so loved. But if I'm the offended, then forgiveness, grace, and love are standard operating procedures for those who are in Christ and are so loved, graced, and forgiven by him. Whether it's repentance that is needed or whether it is forgiveness that is needed, take heed unto thyself. Now, I am, I get a little miffed at this, and I know I shouldn't, it's a leak that I have, but I get a little miffed at how difficult this seems to be for members of the body of Christ. I get a little upset and frustrated, like I'm saying you can't do this, this doesn't fit basic operation, you can't keep that record, you can't hold on to that. Our flesh hates to do this. I understand that. Our flesh loves to put on the victim suit and pray it around. But if we are operating according to the love of Christ, then when, when offended, it ought to be seen as an opportunity to obey and brightly display the glory of the love of God who covers, washes, blots out the record with love and grace and forgiveness. Standard, basic operation. And this is an extremely dangerous leak. When we keep records of wrongs and of disobedience to the command to love like Jesus loves, then it produces something called bitterness that can destroy relationships, friendships, marriages, businesses, churches, you name it. Just like moisture in a refrigeration system, Bitterness will do extensive damage and eventually it destroys the host. So if we find ourselves keeping records of wrongs done to us, we have a leak. Fix it with love, with grace and forgiveness. Keeping records of wrongs is a love leak. I have a very simple fix for this. If you ever feel you need to keep a record of wrongs, I'm going to give you a quote from the Italian paraphrase Bible. This is how you fix that leak. You ready? Forget about it. (laughs) Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. There is to be no rejoicing at wrongdoing or that which is contrary to God. It should be obvious, right? Rather, the truth of the word should always be what we rejoice over, even if our flesh absolutely hates doing what is right or being confronted with the truth. Love rejoices in the truth, even if it brings opposition, even if it brings persecution, even if it brings hardship, because to rejoice in the truth is a characteristic of Of love. It's never, never right to not love. I think we should get that. And certainly not right to rejoice in that which is not loving. And it's not loving to rejoice in evil. Our flesh rejoices in iniquity. Our spirit does not. And when we delight in the truth, we delight in God's love, and it goes a long way to prevent leaks. And if we find ourselves rejoicing in evil, we have a love leak. Fix it. Rejoice in the truth. Let evil break your heart like it does Jesus. In closing, the last part of this passage, the bar is raised high as it emphasizes these basic standards and principles of the body of Christ. And I say that because there's a word that is included in it that is all-encompassing, and that word is all. Verse 7 says, love bears all things. Please note, it doesn't say love bears some things. All things, high standard. That word translated bears can can't mean to cover over, to bear something, to endure under something. So love This is the standard operation. The things we've spoken about about love here, they endure, they bear all things. That's a high calling. That's a high standard. But I I can't say anything but what it says. Basic. Basic. Believes all things. Another version says always trusts. Lexicon defines that word this way, to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust, to believe. Notice it says believes all things, not some things. Keeping this in the context of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, indwelled by the Spirit of God, knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior, to love is to trust, and to trust is to love. That's not not to say love means we are supposed to be willfully gullible. That's not what I'm saying. That means love will trust and think the best of a brother and sister in Christ, because we trust the work of the Holy Spirit in them. Now I recognize that the trust in a person can be negatively affected when Someone repeatedly violates trust. But it should not ever negatively affect our love for a brother or sister in Christ, period. We may struggle with trusting him or her, but we ought to always trust in the Spirit that is in him or her. If we have kept the record of wrongs, if our love does not bear their offense, we may stop trusting the good work of the Spirit in them. And if we do that, we've got a leak. Something we ought to be aware of. Loving this way will make you vulnerable. Vulnerable to being deceived, vulnerable to being used, vulnerable to being mocked and considered a fool who lacks discernment, etc. All I can say about that is such things may be how others view us as we apply this aspect of Christ's love, always trust, always believe, think the best. But I will tell you, I would much rather be seen a fool by the world and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, from my God. There's times that the person's track record can sway us to think the worst of them, but here again, can you imagine if God did that to us? Can you imagine going to God and saying to God, I confess, I sinned, I repent, and then God responding to you, you expect me to believe that? Prove it. Prove it. Jump through these hoops. Prove it. This is your 490th time your card is punched. We're done. Does God do that? No. Guys, this is basic stuff. Basic stuff. That's not my God. It's not my Jesus. It's not how he loves. It's not how he sees us. God says my spirit is in you my grace is sufficient for you the blood of my son covers your sin my love never ceases my mercies are new every single morning and I am working in you a good work and I will see it through to completion if God says that to us that it's basic folks it's the way we ought to see one another having trouble believing all things, trusting, fix the leak, trust in the love of God and the faithful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of others, and just keep loving them. Hope's all things. If we lose hope for someone who has wandered, who has backslid, then we have a leak because our hope should never be in them. Our hope should be in the one who is in them. So now do you understand how important it is to understand that this this command given to us is first and foremost given to one another in Christ. I do not expect the world out there to love me the way that I know you must love me and the way that I must love you. I, I don't expect that from the world, but I also know that the world can see that through the way we love one another. Love endures all things, it means it's not crushed, it's not destroyed, it's never eliminated. In fact, if there is no love in us, we don't even just have a leak, we have bled out. And then finally it says love never ends, love never fails. So his last one is sort of a summation of all the things we've covered about love that we are commanded to have towards one another in Christ. All the qualities are to remain solid, unshaken, continual. Therefore, if our love for one another in Christ ever ends... Got it? Love. Love. It's not just a feeling... It's an action that keeps the equipment in good condition. I realize that looking so closely at love is challenging for each and every one of us, but this is basic, this is primary. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to stand out. We are supposed to be contrary to our flesh, contrary to the world, because this love is God's love. It's spirit-guided love. It's Jesus-like, exceptional love. And it is a distinguishing mark for each and every one of us who are in Christ. Not my words, but Jesus's. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Books, it's not the t-shirts that we wear. It's not that we go to church on Sunday. It's not that we never say anything wrong. This is the identifier, basic stuff, but yet so needs to be maintained, amen? Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, again. Oh, Lord, Lord, your word is sharp, it's quick, it's powerful. Lord, it's able to discern the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. Lord, even though the cut sometimes can be painful at times, and it could kind of poke and jab. But Lord, we are so grateful to have your word so grateful to have your spirit that bears witness to the things that your word says. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. But Lord, as we receive that in abundance, let it flow in us and through us and out to one another as well. And in this, Lord, you will grow us. You will teach us more about you. And Lord, we will display you to a lost, dying, dark unloving world, in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.